Jesus, and we need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded. That boy can sing too, can he? I tell you, when I die, let him sing. If I don't get up, I'm dead, all right? There's nobody like Jesus. We thank the Lord for that. And by the way, I'm glad to come to church on a Wednesday night where I can get good stuff even on Wednesday. Amen. Some churches just, um, they just, they don't have anything for Wednesdays. You know, we just give it on Sunday and, you know, we just don't really have much. Can't use it up. We got to save it for Sunday. Every time we're coming to the house of God, somebody needs something from God. That's why it's important that we have church on Wednesday night. Some folks can't be here on Sunday. Some are working downstairs on Sunday. Some are, some are having obligations. Some, are, some can only visit in the area on these weekends, on these weekdays on Wednesday. So we need to make sure we give God our best whatever day it is. And it's so, so important. Thank God for Jesus. Amen. Well, we're in Esther chapter number 9. Took a break from there last Wednesday night as we were in the middle of our VBS, and we're still rejoicing over the goodness of God there. I am noticing that you all are a little hesitant in, in your instant stand for the Word of God because you all think that I'm going to talk a while. I said, Esther 9, and it's almost like y'all all got together and said, don't nobody get up. Nobody. Nobody get up. I mean, and you talk to all those people. I, I, I can imagine about four guys took Bert Dunn around the side of the building and said, you, and you better not get up because you always get up first. I don't care what he said. You wait for us. We go down together, Bert Dunn. And whatever you did, you must have paid him because he listened. Don't listen to them. Proverbs 1.10, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. You know, all these years, I say the book of the Bible, you stand up. This is peer pressure. Let these, these reprobates get you to sit down. When I say the text, you stand up. You go down by yourself. They beat you up. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pray for you, all right? And, uh, pray your healing in the Lord. Pray your strength in the Lord, all right? So Esther chapter 9. Let me get right to the text. My wife is, has reprimanded me about having you all stand so long. and I don't know what, you know. My mother agrees with her. The Bible says it's confirmed under the witness of two women. <laughs> I don't know if it's in there, but I, I tell you what, sure seems like it. I make right turns in, on my navigation, and the man is talking. As soon as I make a wrong turn, woman comes on. So you left the plan route. I tell you, it's even in our navigation system. So we better, we better do right, man. Somebody say amen. All right, Esther chapter 9, let's go there before I make a mistake again. Look at verse number four. For Mordecai was great in the king's house. I want to give you a, a, a brief thought to think about tonight in just a little bit that the Lord was impressing upon me. It's right in the outline, right in the text. But I want us to talk about it, and, and I want to just, the Lord was just throwing some practical thoughts of the places in the word of God, confirming what's happening here in Esther. Mordecai was great in the king's house. His fame went out throughout all the provinces. This man, Mordecai, waxed greater and greater. This man. Somebody say, this man. This man. God is so keen to point out exactly whom he's referring to. This man. As if, as if the text is telling the same guy we talked about earlier in the text that really nobody wanted to be. Everybody wants to be Mordecai in chapter 9. Nobody wants to be him in chapter 1 and 2. 
Thus the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword and slaughter and destruction and did what they would unto those that hated them. And in Shushan, the palace, the Jews slew and destroyed. How many? 500 men. Six, we could talk more. Seven, we could talk more. Listing in detail those names. Eight, again. Nine, again. Verse 10, 10 sons of Haman, of Hamadatha. God said, if we're going to point out exactly who the good guy is, let's make sure we're specific about the bad guy too. But on the spoil laid they not their hand. Let the church say amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word, for it is already blessed. Cleanse us of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Thank you for being a God that gives us strength. Continue to strengthen us. Bless now the word in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Sit down before you pass out. God is working behind the scenes. Talk to me. God is working behind the scenes. Come on, talk to me. God is working. Come on, talk to yourself. Say it again. God is working. One more time to yourself. God is working. Oh, well, let's just tell the devil. God is working. Ain't it true? <laughs> and every once in a while, God just kind of throws us something in there to let us know he's doing it. It just comes out of nowhere. Every once in a while, I'm riding down the road and, and something happens. Every once in a while, a situation occurs in the middle. Of the way. Every once in a while, I go and preach and something at the right time in the right moment for, from somebody that could have no, not otherwise have done it. And you watch it happen. I just say to myself, look at God. Let's say that together. Look at God. Say it again. Look at God. He's working behind. Look, you can't touch him. You can't feel him. You can't see him. But you can't deny him. Songwriter said, you can't make me doubt him. I know too much about him. You can't make me doubt him in my soul. Listen, he is working behind the scenes. And, and, and we can see that in every book of the Bible, but, but none more impressive than in the book of Esther, where God's name is not even mentioned in any of the 10 chapters or any of the verses. And yet God is on the move. God is on the move. God is on the move. It helps us now particularly in these last days in a society in which we live, a culture becoming more and more pervasive, anti-God, postmodern, vile, absolutely devilish and demonic. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to be an expert Christian. You don't have to be trained in the field of spiritual discernment to see the devil's fingerprint on just about everything. His system is run amok. His touches on every, listen, the, the agenda of Satan is so, is, so, is so branded on every segment of society. And I'm telling you, his hand is on it. He's, he's got his hand in everything. And sometimes we see him so vividly working, we forget that God is on the move. God never takes a back seat to the devil. Somebody say amen to that. And so he's working. And in this story, we've come full circle and we'll not review all of those nine points, but I'll bring you to point number 10 where we are. Chapter nine introduces us to what I call an experienced position, an experienced position. Now, now Mordecai, Esther, and the Jews are, are finally experiencing what they had trusted by faith. You know the text in the word of God, for we walk by and not by sight. Several times in scripture, the writers will tell us on the inspiration of the Holy Ghost of God, the just shall live by faith. Now the Bible tells us ultimately one day our faith will become sight. 
One day we shall see him, First John says, verse, chapter number three, and we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now look what John says. Every man that hath this hope in himself purified himself, even as he is pure. Listen to me. Hope is in us. It's the confident expectation that God is going to do what he says. There's nobody that's going to get to heaven and say it wasn't worth it to be a Christian. Nobody's going to, nobody in heaven says, oh, I shouldn't have lived for God. I shouldn't have gone to church. Most people in heaven are going to get to the judgment seat and say, I should have read the Bible more. I should have been more faithful to church. I should have given more to the cause of Christ. I should have been involved more in the ministry. I should have been a better husband, a better wife, a better child, a better Christian, a better soul winner, a better pr- Somebody say amen to this, stuff. Now, you're going to get, listen, when your faith becomes sight, you, you, it just solidifies and confirms that everything I did for God was worth it. When we're there before the judgment seat of Christ and we're handed crowns, the crown of life and the crown of rejoicing and the crown of righteousness and the crown of glory for those of us that are preachers and the incorruptible crown, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, for, for finishing the race, we, we, we're going to say, oh, it was worth it. I'm glad I didn't quit. I'm, I'm glad I didn't give in, give up, put up a, Shut up. I'm glad I'm, I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. But here's what God does. He manages to give us some it's worth it all now moments, moments while we're on earth. And here is Esther chapter 9 where Mordecai and Esther are actually experiencing the position that they once believed in prospect. Anybody listening? They they stepped out on faith. Esther goes before the king, taking a chance that she'll die. Mordecai refuses to bow down to Haman, taking a chance that he'll die. Stands for God on principle, even though he may perish. Esther utters the phrase which every Christian has to come to, at least theoretically in your life, to make some decisions for the Lord. If I perish, I perish. Say it with me. If I perish, I perish. Say it again. If... In other words, I'm going to do right no matter what the cost. Is anybody listening tonight? Now, there are believers who said, if I perish, I perish, who perished? Huh? Hey, neighbor, give me your vineyard. I'll pay you. I'll give you one like it. And, 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 and you'll be in with the king. No, no, I can't because the law says I'm not supposed to sell out Ahab. And he, he keeps, keeps begging him and, and he keeps pressuring him. And yet Nabal stands. Nabal died. Huh? Stephen in Acts chapter 7, standing up and preaching the truth of the word of God, looking at people who killed Jesus, say, you did it. You did it. You killed Jesus and God raised him. Somebody say, aren't you glad when man messes up, God knows how to fix it up? Stephen's standing right there. He, he, he has to know that he's preaching to people who have the power and have the numbers to kill him. And yet he does right by God and loses his life for it. If I perish, I perish. Listen to me. Stephen perished. Am I listening? John the Baptist lost his head for doing right. So, so the Bible is replete with examples of those who compromised to save their lives and those who stood and lost their lives. Listen to me, losing your life down here and waking up in the presence of God and knowing that you gave it up down here for what you're going to get up there. Listen to me, it is, somebody help me tonight, it's worth it. But sometimes God down here says, 
You stand for me. I'm going to let you experience the reward of faithfulness before you ever get to glory. So here's the principle I want you to learn tonight. Verse number one showed us the fateful uh, arrival. Fateful, fateful arrival. It's coming. Here, Here it is. Eventually, nine verse one. Chapter nine verse one. It drew near to put the folks to execution. All right, we're Esther 9, 1. In the 12th month, the month of Adar, 13th day of the same, when the king's commandment is decree drew near to put to execution. Here it comes. It comes. They've believed it, but now it comes. Boy, isn't it good when what you believe actually comes? What stage are you in tonight? Huh? Some have quit believing because you haven't seen yet. Listen, you got to understand spirituality. Listen, the definitions in God's word don't match the definitions in man's world. Say that again. The definitions in God's word don't match the definitions in man's world. Here's what the world says. Believing is seeing. Huh? Listen, I'm sorry. The world says seeing is believing. But God says when you believe, you see. So so the world says you got to see in order to believe. God said you got to believe in order to see. And some people can't see spirituality because they don't believe scripture. I said you can't see spiritual, spiritual things because you won't believe scripture. You've got to believe it if you're going to see it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Preach, pastor. The focused assembly, here they come. I've got to get to the text, to what I'm going to say so I can actually say it. Focused assembly. All of them are gathering together. All, everybody's coming together. Is is anybody listening? See what's happening in chapter 9? The Jews gathered themselves together. Go to verse 2, please. In the cities throughout all the provinces of King of Azure to lay hands on such that sought their hurt. Are you seeing the language in verse number 1 and 2? I mean, chapter 9 is all about slaughter, killing. The bad guys are dying in chapter 9. Say it with me. The bad guys are dying in chapter 9. Come on, talk to me. The bad guys are dying in chapter 9. Doesn't it look like in America nowadays, all of a sudden, all, it seems like always the good guys are dying. And here's Esther and Mordecai and the Jews. The bad guys are dying in chapter 9. The king, the king put it down as law, but, 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 but it's actually happening in chapter 9. This is what the assembly is coming to do. To lay hands on. Verse number one, to put in execution. Verse three, everybody together. Why? Because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. Verse four, Mordecai was great in the king's house and his fame went out through all the provinces. The fateful arrival, the focused assembly, the the free-hearted assistance, everybody is helping out. You serve God long enough, people that used to hate you will start to help you. Help me now. Hmm. The fearful association because of fear of Mordecai fell upon them. That's verse 3. The fear of Mordecai fell upon them. All the rulers, provinces, lieutenants, and deputies and officers of the king helped the Jews because of the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. Now, are you listening to me? I want you to get the sequence. I'll give you the thought and let you go home. Everybody is afraid of Mordecai in chapter 9 
because early chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, because Mordecai wasn't afraid of them. They're all afraid of him in chapter nine because in chapter one, he wasn't afraid of them. See, nobody's going to fear you if you fear them. And the strength of Mordecai in chapter 9 has nothing to do with Mordecai. It has everything to do with God on Mordecai. The famed ascension, if you're taking notes, verse 4, look at it. Mordecai was great in the king's house. His fame went throughout all the provinces. For this man, Mordecai, waxed what? Come on now. Wax what? The famed ascension. He's just getting greater and greater. Pastor, how do I run a test on the legitimacy of my Christianity? Here's a good test to run. Are things getting greater and greater? It's a good test. Are things getting greater and greater? Well, well, Esther puts it this way, greater and greater. John 15 puts it this way, abounding. John 15, fruit, much fruit, more fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. The, 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 the Christian life is that you abound more and more, Thessalonians. It's all throughout Scripture. I don't understand Christians who claim they walk with God, and yet the fruit is getting less and less instead of more and more. They're praying less, they're reading less, they're growing less, they're winning fewer to the Lord, they're doing less for God. They're, they're getting more grace and doing less good. And here it is. Thus did you smote all their enemies, the stroke of the sword, the slaughter and destruction, and did what they would do unto those that hated them. It's what I call forceful annihilation. They wiped them out. Here's the principle I want you to get tonight. Now, here it is. They're experiencing a position. They're experiencing a position. Because way back when, they executed the principle. You can't experience principles if you don't, you can't experience a position if you don't execute principles. Here's what came to my mind, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen, the Jews are too weak in a foreign land to annihilate all of their enemies. But watch this now. Once Mordecai and his people stand with God, the enemies of God are too weak to beat Mordecai. And listen to me, the Jews are too weak to beat their enemies. But when they stand with God, the enemies are too weak to withstand the Jews. Listen to me, you are powerless against the devil and your enemies alone. But with God, they are powerless against you. Submitting to God gives the ability to resist the devil. And I can go scripture by scripture by scripture by scripture and show you examples of people that that were powerful with God and powerless without God. The Jews are with God against Amalek. The hands of Moses are up and they defeat the enemies. Amalek outnumbers the Jews, but the Jews beat Amalek because with God all things are possible. Now the Jews out, will out, outnumber Ai and Ai whips the Jews because the Jews have sin in the camp. Listen to me now. When you're right with God, you beat the enemies no matter how big they are. When you're not right with God, you lose to the enemies no matter how small they are. Anybody listening to me? The disobedient child of God is powerless against the devil. The submissive child of God is powerful against anything. 
And Esther is so powerful. I mean, it's like the Lord speaking, speaking to me today to talk to the body of Christ. We, 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 we spend all our Christian days fighting stuff. And we, we're fighting the devil. We're fighting each other. We're fighting people who don't agree with us. We just, just fight, fight, fight. We come to church, can't even hardly smile because we, we're in the thick of the fight. You are not living the Christian life the biblical way. God does expect you to fight, but he expects you to submit to his headship first. And your ability to fight is empowered by a God with whom you are walking. Listen to me. The longer you obey God, the more your enemies are no match for you. The less you obey God, the longer you're no match for your enemies. So the battleground, ladies and gentlemen, is not against the enemies. The battleground is against the flesh. But by the time we get to chapter 9, Mordecai and Esther are just in the overflow. They're in the overflow of God's blessings. They're in the experience level of Christian. I listen to Christian, Christian people that just, just I'm just, 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 just barely kicking, not high. That's, that's, that is not, listen to me, that is not the lingo of a victorious Christian. I'm not belittling trials. I'm not lessening the attacks of Satan. I'm not trying to trivialize spiritual warfare. But ladies and gentlemen, we are not out there trying to do our best to to, to pull off an an average Christian life. We are out there to walk with the God of all power, submitting to him, enabling us to resist successfully the devil, the world, and the flesh, and to habitualize victorious Christian life. And until victory becomes the way of of the believer, then obedience has not been our course of action. And so as we watch Mordecai in chapter 9, let's just remember, he is getting greater and greater in chapter 9 because he was willing to belittle all those other chapters just to obey God. And if you can't be small and obedient, don't expect to be big and defeating your enemies. Because God is looking for some children of his who will obey him, not so they can whip their enemies, but will obey him just because it's right. And if I whip them, it's extra. But obedience to a God that I love should be reasonable. Why call ye then me Lord and do not the things that I say? Too much of the Christian life is lived for what we get. And we're always going, well, God, if I obey you, will you do this? And you said I'll serve you, and I'm still struggling to pay my bills. And I do right all the time, and, and it still has to go through all this foolishness. And I, I keep reading my Bible, and what am I going to get out of it? No wonder you don't get nothing out of it. You, you're looking for what you get. Listen to me. You serve God out of obedience. Amen. Spirit of obedience. Yeah. We're just missing it. We're, we're wired spiritually in a, in a mental way that's counterproductive 
diametrically opposed to Scripture. And we wonder why we're just hanging on for dear life. Start winning. And you can't win against the enemy until you decide to let God win with you. Our Father, thank you. Help us, help us, help us. We've got to put the white flag up. Oh. We watched this man, Mordecai, be the bane of Haman's existence. Haman could look at him and get sick in his stomach. Haman built gallows because Mordecai made him sick convinced the king to write a law to wipe out a whole nation because he was mad with one man and chapters later this same Mordecai waxed greater and greater and the whole nation fears him I don't know if we understand the power of obedience but may we live it in principle so that we can experience it in position. We love you and we bless you. Thank you for the service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God the praise for being in this house tonight.